and welcome to another episode of the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond. And I'm Sarah Hunter. And we are bringing you yet another action-packed Women's Rugby Pod in what is another action-packed week of Women's Rugby. Probably we're going to chew the, uh, the Six Nations fat with Sarah Hunter, of course. Go through all last weekend's games from round one, but we'll also do a full preview of the games in round two. Two, and that's in the company of Kira Bevan, the Welsh come half. She's joining us as well, and we did promise you some reaction from the Super Rugby Alpiki down in New Zealand, where the Chiefs won. So we went straight to the top. We went to the Black Ferns and Chiefs captain Les Older. She'll be joining us on the show as well later. So strap yourselves in and enjoy the ride. How are you then, Sunta? How's a uh, no doubt a, a jubilant week at Bisham Abbey? Yeah, no, we're we're good. It's um, a little bit cold here, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. It's um, what, even very different. Last like you. Well, I don't mind the cold, but when you're running around and it's hailing, playing rugby, it's not the not the greatest, especially after such wonderful uh, weather and conditions last week. It's um, yeah. The extremes are not great for the old bones, I don't think. No, in, indeed so. But this is the early 2020s. And as we are seeing around the world, absolutely anything can happen. So um, the weather, I think, is the, the least of our worries. But no, I think, the um, t- to your point, the, the weather really reflected last weekend, didn't it? What was um, a best around one in terms of looking at the sort of wider picture of women's rugby as I can ever remember being involved in the game and... Um, that's that's a reasonable amount of time. How about you? Oh, it was brilliant. The just the buzz and the run up to it, like yeah. not just from an England point of view, but collectively around the Six Nations, like all the media, all the press, everything on social media, like everyone was talking about it. And I think um the fact that it was so sunny and like the weather was good and you know, you think, uh, this is why we moved it to this window, you know, free from everything else. The weather's good. It's nice to play rugby in these conditions. Um, yeah, I think it, it couldn't have had uh, a better start to, to the competition um, than we, we could have asked for, really. Couldn't agree with you more. Let, let's just go through the, the, the facts and figures then. England 57, sorry, Scotland 5, England 57 at the uh, Dam Health Stadium. Wales uh, beat Ireland 1927 at the RDS in Dublin and at Stade de Alpe in Grenoble. France beat Italy 39-6 this weekend. On Saturday, France against Ireland, quarter past two. Wales against Scotland at 4.45. Another stand has had to be opened, Sunter, because of high demand for tickets. And on Sunday, Italy against England at three o'clock. That is now, again, I think due to pressure and demand, that has been moved from the BBC iPlayer onto the main channel, BBC Two, here in the UK. But it, just carrying on the, the the positivity around that round one, I mean, record crowds at the uh, at the RDS, 6,113. That was a record crowd for a standalone women's Six Nations game in Ireland. 3,988 was a record up in Scotland as well. What was it like to to play up there with that, with that decent crowd? You've already spoken about the sun on your back, but um, <laughs> great to have that kind of support. Yeah, the atmosphere was incredible, you know. Um, like, we did the team run, and team run, you're in an empty stadium, and you're, like, a bit unsure about what, what game day is going to be like but when we turned up um, and got off the bus there was music playing you could hear people um, you went out to, to warm up and the, the crowd was gathering there was loads of young girls around um, and it, obviously it was quite partisan towards Scotland but it, it just had a really good atmosphere around it um, a lot of like northern English northerners had travelled up, so that was nice to see that they're not too far to to go to to support a, a Red Roses team, and you know every, everything about it, like I thought, were, was done really, really um, well in in Scotland, and yeah, it, it's great to hear that 
they're now starting to get record crowds and um, we've been there you know when you think back to when we played at Castle Park and at Doncaster and we were getting those sorts of crowds and just how in a short space of time we've generated where we are and hopefully we'll, we'll see that continue to grow in Scotland and in all the other nations as well. Yeah, I mean, it was jumping out the screen, um, the pictures from, from the yard. Yes, and, and again, yes, the weather helped, the crowds helped, but actually it looked really good on telly, didn't it? it proper broadcast quality was was, was done, um, and, it, and it looked brilliant. And again, it, over, as I say, in, in Dublin, the crowd sounded absolutely brilliant, and um, I'm sure the players are absolutely buzzing playing in that kind of atmosphere. Understood your home game at uh, King's Home. 11, pushing 11,000 being sold for that. So they're looking for a record crowd and, and now taunting Leicester um, for the game of wealth. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on um, social. Crowd as well. But it's it's just where it should be, Sinter, isn't it? And I was going to ask whether you, you missed the one man and his dog from your early playing days <laughs> when you played international rugby. But I mean, it's it's so welcome. What did you make of the, uh, the stuff on the park then? Did that match all the uh, the hype and the interest um, in that game that uh, you started in? I think obviously uh, we won, which is in a in a tournament you want to you want to do and getting off to winning ways is really important. But I don't think um, oh well, we spoke about afterwards. Mitch has been very um, clear in like sort of his press afterwards that we we probably didn't play our, our best rugby by any stretch of the imagination. You know there was elements of things we wanted to try, but sort of our accuracy at times really let us down. It was it was quite a stop-start. Um, and I think we obviously got the bonus point try really on and you go into half-time and you think, right, well, we, we need to maintain it. We need to raise the tempo and you come out and, like, it doesn't go all your own way. And, like, Scot- Scotland are, like, a big part of that, you know, that they, they make it really difficult. They had, like, a number of opportunities themselves and they they they, they wanted to play and, like... I think on um, Sunday you certainly know you've been in a game because they like they defend and they hit you back and they they frustrate you at times and we probably didn't find an answer to some of the problems we were being given, um, which ultimately we're we're going to have to do and we're we're going to have to improve on our performances as we go through this competition. Yeah, so I mean, one of the key stats I I, I pulled out was Scotland. Carried the ball 117 times, made 587 metres. England carried the ball two times, there's 115, made 873 metres. Um, and it's that, I, I guess, that, that physicality, isn't it, which you can always rely on. I just, for me, um, it was a little bit individualistic at, at times and some I mean, unbelievable performances. Um, what's what, what on earth are you putting in Marley Packer's Mm-hmm. in the morning um just out of this world type stats uh for for her 95 meters 24 tackles 16 carries uh 19 ball in hand um got three turnovers she got five turnovers i think the stats do vary across uh across the six nations website which is not overly helpful but um on her 80th cap hat trick oh. Player of the match, Mother's Day, that one's for Oliver. She was absolutely outstanding, wasn't she? Oh, she's incredible. Like she she's been like that pretty much all season, you know, for Saracens. Like she's so consistent with her performances and, and how she's been training and like obviously an eight year cap is very special. So you wanna come out you wanna play well, but I think probably she surpassed how she, she might have thought she played. But yeah, she she like I said it before, like when when Marley's playing well, like the team's generally playing well, and she she galvanises it, she motivates it. She's such an energizer, and you know I'm just glad she's she's on our team. And yeah, like all credit to her, she had like uh, an, an a great game on on um on Saturday, and and yeah, like fully 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 deserved that that man of the match performance. I don't think there was probably any other candidates on the park. Um, and there were some good performances by some people, but she was head and shoulders above above everyone on Saturday. Your Wi-Fi is shocking at Bisham. I'm glad the sporting facilities are better than the, the, the Wi-Fi. Um, 
So, yeah, to, apologies to, to our listeners for a little bit of uh, distortion on Sunja's voice, but um, I can certainly make it out. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just felt <clears throat> Sunja, yeah, individual point yeah, from, from, from Marley there, you know, scars, scars to be back, those hands for the Abbey Dow try and Abbey Dow's little jink inside and that three, four metres was like unbelievable. Um, I don't know if social media have done a sort of a trail of fire, like sort of Back to the Future kind of car. Um, you know, our younger listeners now going, what on earth Back to the Future? <laughs> um, yeah, Sarah Byrne with a 13 on her back, so it would seem, rather than a three. So I think there's some really good, lovely individual moments. I just, just felt some of the screws and nuts and bolts were a little bit loose in terms of a, a, a team effort. Yeah, I think so. And I think we've reflected on that. Like, I think it's almost that, first match of a competition we haven't played together since the autumn and yeah there's certainly some things we've we've tried to to fix up in training this week and um obviously look to try and put into into the game against Italy at the weekend what's to improve then I've got a 11 count on the penalty list and 12, 12 turnovers conceded. That's what the Six Nations were about. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's far off. I think, um, yeah, our accuracy and our skills, like our unforced errors were quite high, especially like um, our handling errors. So that's obviously a, a big a big work on um, for us. Discipline, like we, we do need to, to get better. There was a, a period where we just gave penalty after penalty after penalty away and we just concede possession and territory and you put yourselves under unnecessary pressure so we, we, we need to we need to sort that out and I think just playing more rugby in the opposite half I think that again the territory stat was like ridiculously in favour of of Scotland so yeah. we need to we need to address that um uh, as well and I think just fine-tuning like our, our attack um really and and having longer periods of the ball um uh and playing for for longer and keeping that continuity going to try and impose more pressure on the opposition we know it's there i think it was the <clears throat> excuse me the ellie kill dunn against new zealand off the top of the line out two forward runs and, and straight down the backs was yeah one of the best i've used it analysis for my, my little team down here in, in new hampshire but um so we we, we very much know it, it, it's there um but what about Scotland? Massive strides forward for them, or or small little steps forward Do you, from from you on on the park playing against them? Certainly, their their set piece certainly seems to have tightened up. Yeah, absolutely. They, they they in previous years haven't necessarily had a platform to play off, and um, yeah, they they've certainly had that on on Saturday. I think um, obviously speaking to to Rachel Malcolm and uh, Brian Eason afterwards. Um, they created opportunities. I think they'll be frustrated that they didn't finish more opportunities than than they did. But like, I think you've got to be creating them um, to to begin with. Um, and they they certainly, like I said, just keep coming and coming and coming. And um, yeah, they they're for me a team that is definitely making strides. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, I think ten visits to your twenty-two. Um... Journey come away with yeah with 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 five points uh, yeah that's that's a conversion rate that they will certainly want to improve on. Well let, let let's let's throw it forward over to Italy at the weekend. Uh, Going to be some changes I'm hearing in the wind um, for this England team. And yeah, Sam Middleton's made no bones about it. In these first three games, going to swap and change and, and have a look at a few players. And then the last two games is is where that kind of more continuity will come. Um, what particular areas you've been working on ahead of Italy at the weekend, Sunta? Yeah, I think um, we we've just been trying to to have a bit more accuracy in in what we're what we're doing. There's certainly been an intensity um, in terms of our training, and we we've probably taken it up another another level in terms of that physicality and how we're we're training against one one another. Um, we've looked at some defensive stuff as well, just in terms of um, a bit more detail uh, around like our line speed and 
um, like just putting teams under more pressure. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. I could see you just edging, edging. So, yeah. Oh no, what's yeah. I going to say? Uh, I did mm-hmm. like the, 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 the laughy tone, the, the, the smile on your face when you're talking about training, going up another level, like you possibly didn't really enjoy those bits of training. Um, yeah. That's, that's how you got to do it, isn't it? I mean, it, it's too simple, isn't it? Um, and actually it's not giving it, giving Italy enough credit to say, uh, just expect the unexpected. They're better than that, aren't they, nowadays? Oh, I mean, watching their game, we watched their game on the bus on the way back against France, and some of their play was, like, brilliant. You know, their, their offload game, the way they attack, um, like, with, like, just this, like, ambition to, to play. You know, they're, they're dangerous from, like, under their own post right until, like, like five meters out from from uh, a try line, so yeah, I think um, they've got some great players. You know, like Ragoni had a great game, and is it Dinker? Like the twelve, like again, they've got threats all over the place, and they've got a platform to play off. So, um, so yeah, like it, it is too easy just to say and expect the unexpected. I think that doesn't give them enough credit about how they're coached and how they want to play. And have you done anything on the mental side of it? Because I've been out in Italy a few times commentating on you guys and you find it sticky. You find it sticky over there generally as, a, as an England team. Is it so the mental side or, or the approach been any, any different this week? No, no. I think we, we recognise that. Um, Italy are a difficult team to play away and I think for the last few years in Six Nations we've found ourselves playing away to them. Um, um, and yeah, we, we always seem to to, to to find it difficult so I think there's been an approach about how how we want to approach the game and especially early on in in, a, in the game so so yeah it's um we've got massive respect for for Italy and what they can produce and what they will produce that at the weekend great stuff well look we we, we must we must move on to um there's some other games from last weekend and more games this weekend to to have a look at as well but while we're, we're having a little look at england there's some little bit of news to bring our listeners up to date with from uh these shores yes certainly is uh the england under 20s were defeated in normandy by france under 20s um france 37 england 14 um, but they're back in action against this week. It's um, the return leg. So um, Amy Turner has named her squad um, for the game at Henley this weekend. Um, they're looking, obviously, to bounce back from last week's defeat. Jenny Heskew and Maisie Allen co-captain the side this week, which sees Daisy Hibbert-Jones, number eight, and England Sevens duo Grace Compton on the wing and Alicia Maud, scrum half, come in for their first start of this um, series. Particularly looking forward to seeing Alicia Moore. I think she's a uh, very, very bright future. And Grace comes to absolute wheels. Uh, she really is. And uh, yeah, fine sevens player. So yeah, we look forward to that. Get down to Henley um, RFC if you can on that one. Second leg of the Premier 15's Cup was back in action last weekend. In Pool A, Harlequins lost to Bristol 31-12. DMP Sharks went down to Wasps. 1442. Gloucester Heartbeat on a bye. Impulm B. Exeter Chiefs 47. Loughborough Lightning 15. <clears throat> Don't imagine that anymore. Uh, Worcester Warriors <laughs> victorious over Sale Sharks 43 5. And Saris were on the bye this weekend. Last weekend. This weekend. Uh, Wasps against Gloucester. Bristol against DMP. Harlequins on a bye in pool A. And in the other pool, Saracens will host Exeter. Loughborough Lightning will host Worcester. And sales sharks are on the buy. Other news from the Premier 15s. It's been announced that Six Ways, the home of Worcester Warriors, will host the Premier 15s final on the 3rd of June. Right venue for you? Good venue for you, Sunta? I think um, it is a good venue. You know, um, it's pretty central-ish. Um and I think potentially the teams that are in there, you're probably limited to what grounds you can go to. And obviously it's a men's premiership weekend as well. So that probably then narrows it down even even further. So 
yeah, Worcester's a great venue. Obviously, we were there in the autumn as well, and it had a great atmosphere. So hopefully, um, lots of people will will get along to to that um, to that final because it's been a whoever is in there. It's been probably the best Premiership um, we've had since its inception, what three four years ago. So um, it's set to be a cracker, that's for sure. Certainly, is good sales pitch. Well done, you. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I, like, I, I like clubs that. That are, that are fully on board with the women's game getting getting these kind of games and um, which was six ways is certainly one of those and there's been a bit of chatter about it being on a, on a Friday and what have you but um, you, you, you control the controllers don't you let's let's beat the drum and get, and get people there in other news uh, from Harlequins and, and I do want to speak to Berth about that when um, when she's on the pod hopefully next week um, Jared Mullen um, has announced that he's moving to the academy at Harlequins um I, I just 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 find this just quite odd. I mean, it's players left at the end of last season um, after winning the Premiership, which which well, you can draw your own conclusions. But top quality players: um, Leanne Infante, Chloe Rowley, um, amongst others. Um, got rid of obviously, of course, Gary Street and, and Karen Finley, um, replaced as we say by by Jared Mullen and a, and a forwards coach from. Cobmar, obviously, as as I understand it, um, he was doing some yeah, sort of regional work um, in that area as well in in, in Surrey, um, and he, yeah, he he sort of he he left before he, he got his foot through the door. Now an extensive search is being made for uh, Jared Mullins' successor. I I just find it all very very strange from another club's point of view. Um, a bit strange just to the merry-go-round isn't it yeah I think um I guess for Harlequins women that had probably a lot of consistency with obviously Gary and Jock in in the coaching system obviously this is a bit more of a disruption um to to them like obviously won the premiership defending champions knowing that your head coach is again leaving I don't think they really replaced their forwards coach so again it's it's turnover in coaches, which I guess for some players leads to a bit of uncertainty um and where the direction of that the 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 programs the program's heading and what what support and who will come in um are always big questions when when there's coach turnover so yeah it's it's interesting obviously there's it's there's progression through into to the to the the men's side of the club um and obviously that's something that Gerard's been keen to to take up, and um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting decision. Yeah, I'm gonna dig out the pod when he was announced, and uh, he did a opening press conference, and, and within that was uh, comments about his his own career progression. For me, that just hit alarm bells. Opening press conference um, should should probably be about the team. Um, but look, he's, he's won the Premiership, and, and and away you go. But yeah, just. Get the right person in um, first up. So yeah, strange goings on at uh, Harlequins. Um, but anyway, over to Wales, Hunter. Yeah, over in Wales, you've got um, the Dragons this week that announced the groundbreaking launch of a new women's development academy in the region that will run alongside the men's age grade setup at um, excuse my Welsh pronunciation, the Estrad Minac. My uh, neck. Yeah. Uh, Welsh international prop Keris Hale has been appointed performance lead alongside her playing contract. This will be the first performance academy in Wales with the first women's performance lead and forms part of Wales' ongoing commitment to the investment in women's rugby. Oh, the good news just keeps coming, keeps flooding over the uh, Seven Bridge, isn't it? Over from Wales. Great stuff. Uh, for Keris Hale and WRU Full Marks again. I'm Rita Galligan and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Well, let's look back at one of the other games um, from last weekend now. Uh, over at the RDS where Ireland were downed by Wales, 27 points to 19. We can uh, speak now with the Wales scrum half, Kira Bevan who's in camp and reflects on that game and looks ahead to their game against Scotland this weekend. It is a very warm welcome to Kira Bevan. 
Well, she yeah. half. Hi, Kira. Congratulations on the victory. How's how's the week been so far? Yeah, very good. We've had a good training week so far. Um, obviously, we're in again today, and we're in now through to, to the weekend. So yeah, so far so good. Awesome. And and how's how's the squad? Because I mean, it was. I don't want to over egg the pudding here, but you know, we, we we've documented many media sources, including here on the pod, about the. The trials and tribulations, the speed bumps and what have you that Welsh Women's Rugby has, has been through. And we've spoken to, to Sean through through those sort of choppy waters. It's the first time you, mm-hmm. you went out as a professional team, so a history-making game, really. Um, it was seminal for me. Uh, it was a, it was an, you know, you're 19-10 down at 65 minutes uh, and you pull mm-hmm. it out of the bag. And it, it just it just seemed to come across on the uh, on the television. You really, really meant it. Yeah, I think so. Like we have, we've had an emphasis uh, since the autumn of finishing strongly, and you know that last thirty minutes of a game where you know we can really put put teams under pressure, and that's probably been a focus for us heading into this campaign. Is you know we don't want to get to that you know sixty sixty five minute mark and, and drop off. You know we want to go another level, and I think we showed that on Saturday that we have have it in us to be able to go another level. So that was pleasing to see. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, forty-three nil. You lost them last year. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's a incredible turnaround, and vindicates obviously the WRG's decision to 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 throw some 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 contracts out there. I, I think physically, there's a huge amount to to grow, isn't there? You're only very fresh mm-hmm. to to being full-time athletes, but it, it just seemed to be a real calmness because Ireland came at you in that first half, didn't they? Yeah, I think first first half they probably you know dominated us physically. You know, it felt at times we were almost carrying to a to a brick, a brick wall. But you know, we went through it uh, here on on Tuesday, and you know, we just said sometimes we need a first half like that to be able to get that sort of second half. And you know, we weathered the storm fairly well, I thought, and we pro- we didn't let them get too far ahead, which is probably important as well. You know, we. We didn't have to chase our, our tails too much, which which is helpful. And um, yeah, that second half for us was was where we put pressure on Ireland, and we managed to flip the switch a little bit. What was said at half time? Because yeah, the second <clears> half <throat> performance was was um, was very different to, to the to the first. You just intimated there that that was due to, to that first half and the, and the sort of grinding out of that and, and staying on the coattails. But what was said at half time? What was the what was the atmosphere like in the changing? Was it was it panicked or was it nice and calm? Yeah, I think it was it was quite calm. Um, you know, we, I think we all felt that we were in the game and, and, and that we were going to win. You know, there was no panic from anyone. I, I, I didn't feel or I, I didn't feel it anyway. And um, yeah, just a sense that we're still in this game. It's, you know, it's it's there for the taking. And, you know, we've, like I said, you know, we put an emphasis on that last 30. So we knew, you know, when it gets to that uncomfortable stage in a game, where do we go back to? And and we managed to find a way to find a way to win, and sometimes that's what Test rugby is about, isn't it? Just grinding out a win. Yeah, hundred percent. I think yeah, you kept the ball very well. Mm-hmm. I think it's like eight more minutes in possession than, mm-hmm. than Ireland had over uh, over the game. But there's one thing psychologically saying we're going to finish that last quarter quarter strongly. Mm-hmm. There's a different different thing actually doing. Mm-hmm. What did you actually get right in that in that last trial that, that that last quarter of the game when you know, Donald Rose went over? Hannah Jones went over. It was a good individual score from her. What What did you do practically on the on on the field? Did you feel? I think for that last scrum, I think wasn't it? I think we had, we had the penalty, didn't we? And, and we opted to go for the scrum. And I think, you know, we, we spoke about you know that's you know near enough the middle of the pitch. It's a very hard kick as well to to get to touch. And you know you never know how the lineup's going to go. And we felt we had the upper hand in the scrum throughout the game. So you know we kind of took it upon ourselves to opt for the scrum and, and I think we just backed our ability you know we've you know we do a lot of set piece in training so yeah it was a chance to show that we can score our first phase really and and Hannah finished it brilliantly yeah yeah didn't you just yeah it was superb so what what on the on the uh, on the chart on on Tuesday what were the what were the work ons what are the areas to polish um probably tackle tech so from from outside backs I think we missed 13 tackles all in all in the game so um, it was, you know, tackle tech and the wide channels, you know, that was probably the main work on for us. And obviously we've we've just then been looking at Scotland now this week and, and seeing where we can, you know, potentially cause an upset with them. And, you know, obviously I'm pretty sure they're, they're doing the same as well. So, yeah, just seeing where we can cause a bit of carnage there. 
just two more for me. We'll get on to Scotland in just one second. Some great individual performances uh, in in a, within that team performance, and I thought the Jazz Joyce try was a, was a superb team mm. score, as it were. Um, I mean, no, I'm just well on earth. She keeps her power and her strength. I just <laughs> no idea. She's a slight little thing. Um, what other individuals? You know, Alicia Butcher's obviously one one player of the match. Uh, I thought Charlotte Harris came on and you know, added some some real spark, but there seems to be some real depth on the bench as well now. Some individuals mm-hmm. for you that that shone. Um, yeah, I think Donna Donna was great when she came on and and she scrummaged really well. Cara Hope as well scrummaged really well when she came on. Um, you mentioned Sean Ed, um, obviously Alicia as well was great. I thought Al- Al- Alex Calder had a great game as well. I think she was a hundred percent with tackles. I think she had thirteen out of thirteen, which is is quality and you know they're proper chops as well, so they hurt a little bit. So I think I thought Alex Calder played really well. She won controlled, controlled well, just controlled us really, and spoke really well to the ref on occasions. And yeah, I think there was a lot of really good performances. And I think overall, as a team, everyone everyone played quite well. Um, and I think that's what helped us get the win in the end. Is we were all on the same page when it came down to it. It's amazing what a bit of time together can do, isn't it? Uh, I know. <laughs> well, who would have thought? Um, Scotland then, next weekend. Uh, I won't let you answer that one. You'll get you in trouble. Um, Scotland this weekend. Where's the game going to be won and lost, Kira? I think well, we've looked at Scotland and obviously they, they like to kick the ball a little bit from going off the England game. Um, you know, they've got a really good back three with, you know, Chloe Rowley and Rona Lloyd and, and people like that. So we know that's going to be difficult. Um we can't kick willy-nilly to them. You know, if we're kicking, we've got to kick on our, our terms and, you know, we've got to get a good chase in. So, but I think up front, you know, I think, you know, our forwards gave us a really good platform last week in that, in that second half. Um, and if we can start Saturday with the second half we had against Ireland, hopefully, you know, we'll be firing on all cylinders. And how much how much does it give you confidence an unchanged 23? That's... That must sort of ring through the the squad that um, you, you trusted to to carry on what was a, a superb opening victory. Yeah, I think it's good because we're building some consistency and continuity with each other. You know, it helps that you know Mishu and and Snowy play all together at Bristol probably as well. So yeah, I think it's good that he he's got trust in us and you know he probably could have started some of the girls that came off the bench as well if we're being totally honest because they, they came on and were, were amazing and. Um, yeah, but it's great that he has trust in the time 15 and the bench that came on as well. It's getting noisy there. That means you're about to go, go, oh. uh, go off and do I'll something move. else. No, 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 you're, you're absolutely fine. Look, I don't want to take any more of your time. It's a prep week. Um, and I you know, really, really appreciate um, you coming on. All the very best against uh, Scotland at the, at the weekend. We'll, Thank you. We'll be watching and, and all the best as uh, you continue to build and develop as a squad. Cheers, Johnny. Bye. Hi, I'm Neve Briggs, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Podcast. You were talking there, Sunta, and uh, you heard I uh, posed that question. It always seemed like a, a seminal victory um, for them, for me. They've got their contracts, and uh, you know, that, that physical development is going to take a while to, to shift through. But just the mindset. I mean, they got smashed 43-0 against Ireland last year. And they've turned that round to a 1927 victory and actually looked fairly composed all game. I don't know what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, I think obviously um, for, for Wales, like to, to see a team go through probably the patch that they've had at what was it, seven Six Nations games um, beaten. So for, for them to turn that round, especially away in Ireland, it's a particularly hard place to go. Like we've mentioned, it was a sellout crowd. Um, and also, like to come from behind, it says probably a lot about the work they've done and the coaches that come in um, to to help them with that. And yeah, um, it it was it was really it was, I mean it was it was a, probably a good game for for the neutral in terms of it. It went right down to to sort of the the last quarter. Um, yeah, and for for Wales to have that composure to to get the win that they've needed for for a, a long time is it's great to see and again it just keeps that um that sort of development of the the six nations you know it's not it's not the same old well the the score lines are, are massive and like it's a given that Ireland are going to win by whatever it was last time um that actually the that it is competitive and then actually for you to be um for you to win you have to be on your your game and yeah like 
like you say, it'll, it'll probably take longer as we in England have found out about professional contracts. Everyone thinks, oh, you're given a professional contract and all of a sudden you've, you become a professional player. Well, actually, that takes time and it's a mindset shift and you learn how to be a professional player. So, yeah, it, it's it's a really positive start for Wales and um, it'll be really good to see how they, they go um, the longer they have these contracts. Yeah, it was 64, 65th minute, they were down 19-10. Yeah. Uh, and then that uh, Donna Rose try from the driving wall. Yeah, I was I was impressed by their their physicality. I know Wales are always, always physical. It's one of their their hallmarks, isn't it? But um, yeah, I thought again, just tightened up those kind of areas. And, and Hannah Jones was imp- impressive with with her individual score. Um, the Irish defence won't be overly happy. Uh, Alicia Butchers. I thought the entirety of the back row actually uh, were very very good. Calendar Butchers uh, and Lily Crap. And then Seanad Harry's coming off the bench and Sean Lillicrap going into the second row. Uh, how impressed were you with the with the individuals from Wales? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you want your senior players to stand up and you want you want them to to especially the back row, like you you need people to to have good games and I think um the, the reason why they probably came out is because, like, individually, they probably played better than their, their opposite number, but then they worked collectively together. It wasn't, it was very much a, a team performance. And and I think now, obviously, you've got contracts and you've got, um, like, these part-time contracts. And if, I think there's still a couple to be announced. So you've obviously got this competition within the squad, which obviously drives performance as well. So, so yeah, it was, it was good to see... Um, Good to see uh, Wales get off to a good start, but I do think Ireland like had moments in the game, and especially for a team that have had quite a change um, in personnel. They've obviously got new coaching, um, a coaching uh, set up as well. I think um, I think they had some some really bright moments, and they they I I'd imagine they might be frustrated with how they let the game get away from them when, at, especially first half, they looked they looked in control. Uh, they look comfortable and um, yeah, so for Wales to get back in and, and get the win, they'll be pleased. But I think Ireland will probably be um, frustrated at themselves, but they had some some really bright moments and um, Monaghan had a great game. Uh, Dijon... Dugan. Dugan, um, she had a great game. Um, yeah, so there was... There was there's some really promising aspects to where Ireland are in in a place where I from what we hear and read they're in a rebuilding phase. Yeah, I was just yeah going to move on to Ireland. Yeah, you picked out yeah Murphy Crow's try that seven inch influence uh, obviously flooding the midfield uh, as well. Um, I thought yeah back three going forward for Ireland was very very good. Um, yeah, there'll be some some work to to do going going backwards. Um, but I just I didn't they obviously burst out of the traps that really nice try as I say from from Murphy Crow uh, and Ju Gang a couple of offloads from Monaghan where they threw, threw the tackle some really nice stuff but I just I just did, I, I felt that Wales were never shocked by it and never rocked by it and were quite happy to to hold on the coattails and as as Kira said that uh, um, yeah but it was a bit of a priority to to finish that fourth quarter really really strongly so um, so a little bit of work to do for. For Ireland um, and Wales, of course. So, what are you predicting is going to come out of Wales against Scotland? Tickets still available, Cardiff Farmers Park, for that one, ladies and gentlemen. Four forty-five um, in the capital. So, do get down there. Uh, another stand has been opened. What are you expecting from that one? Oh, I think it'll be a hell of a game. Oh, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you just got to look at. Um, like how we felt we like Scotland played against us and the physicality level and they they created a lot of opportunities and I think if they can finish some of them um they'll be in the game and and knowing how Wales played I I, I genuinely wouldn't like to call it um I think um I think it'll be a, a great Six Nations game um hopefully in front of a, a record record crowd down there again um, but yeah, it should. It, it's uh, it's sort of almost a battle of the 
the like teams that play with passion and heart, but like they've definitely got more than that. Like they're they're yeah, they're it'll be um it'll be an interesting game to watch, that's for sure. Well you know that won't do with me. I'm gonna press you to, to tell you before that <laughs> uh, <laughs> um where's it gonna be won and lost? Uh, I think the back rows will have a big part to play in it. Like you, you look across the board um, of of the Welsh back row and how well they played. If if they go with the same, if they go with the same uh, back row of Butcher's Calendar and Lily Crap, but then you've got yep, you've got Malcolm. Yeah. Are they, I think that Malcolm Conkle and Evie Gallagher's coming in at seven. Uh, yeah, five changes, but Evie Gallagher's coming in alongside Rachel Malcolm and Jade Conkle. Yeah. Um, Rachel McLaughlin unavailable. Uh, okay, but even still, like um, I think Evie Gallagher when she's come on has gone really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think it will be a real battle there, which will probably dictate what happens around the breakdown and what the quality of his ball is like and I think whoever can probably control that and like control the territory and play in the right areas will will probably have a, a front foot and Scotland had a great platform to play off and Wales was improved as well so yeah it could be uh, and then you look at the danger of like Jazz Joyce versus Rona Lloyd like if they can get the ball out to um, their back three on both teams. It, it, there's just some really, really great matchups, um, some really good head to heads, which makes it for an exciting game. It certainly does. Uh, go on then, who's going to win? And <laughs> I'm I'm purely sitting on the fence on this one. Oh, um, splinter time. <laughs> it's very, very much so. Uh, we still got to play Wales, and yeah. Um, uh, I genuinely wouldn't want to wouldn't want to call it. Who are you going with? You're, you're silly if you bet against the home team. Generally, there we go. And I, I I don't know. I I just you look at that Wales team on paper, and it's 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 mega impressive. I'm not saying that Scotland isn't, um, but you know that there are a few missing uh, for Scotland. You know, I think Curry Rowley not being available, Hannah yeah. Smith not being available. Rachel McLaughlin not being available, Sarah Law's out. Um, so yeah, 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 looking forward to seeing players uh, like Emma Orr coming in for for making her debut. But um, yeah, I, I just think there's 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 some real wind in the sails of of, of Wales at the moment, and um, being back home, be a great crowd down there. I I, I think it'll be very very tight, but I think Wales might just edge it. Um, and I hope the edge of the fence that you're sitting on is hurting you now. Good. <laughs> Let's move on then. France against Italy. I'm Sarah Hedonate and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Yeah, let's have a look at uh, France, Italy from last weekend. Uh, 39-6 to France. Four gross. Uh, Boulard, Jacquet, uh, with tries, Mouriers uh, as well. Um, how? What did you make of uh, the team who will be nipping at your heels coming the last round of the Six Nations? Probably a little bit similar to to us in terms of um, a lot of unforced errors. Like they created opportunities and and um, looked good, but then like a, a unforced error sort of stunted sort of their their performance really which um as we watched it I was like oh this is like watching us yesterday um so uh, again I think they'll progress nicely over the tournament and um I think they'll certainly have a improved performance as they they go through and um yeah obviously missing missing a few key players but I thought Sansu when she came on like changed the game for, for France like they became a different team when when she was um, running the show really, so um, uh, which is no surprise to see her her starting uh, this week as well. So um, where, but I thought Italy caused some problems. I thought again when we watched it and reviewing it, like if if Italy had converted a few of their chance or just been a bit more controlled in some of their decisions, I think it could have been. Um, 
I think it would have been an interesting game. I think it would have put France under a lot more pressure. And when we know when France is under pressure, then things start to creak. So, um, again, a good game to watch. I don't think the score reflected the game. Like, I think if you just saw the score and didn't know anything about the game, you'd have thought, oh, it's very one-sided. But Italy were in it for large chunks of um, large chunks of the game and periods of time. Yeah, and I could have got that opportunity just before half time, and it was a, was a forward pass, was it down the yeah. side? And that half time was seventeen six, even at seventeen eleven, seventeen thirteen. It, it, it's a different different ball game. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought Rigoni, I mean, one of the most underrated players in the Six Nations, has been for for many years. I think she's always in our Six Nations team here on the WRP the last couple of years. Um, I know Ali Donitz, Conquin is a, is a big old fan as well. But I thought her and Dinker in the, in the centres, as you say, caused a lot of trouble. I'm not sure Rigoni's a, a, a 10. Um, you know, she often played at 12, hasn't she? But uh, yeah, as you say, Santos changed the game for France. So they make seven changes for, for Ireland this weekend. Are you expecting a more polished performance from, from France at the weekend? I think I think so. I think, I think Ireland will challenge them. Um, yeah. But... I do think um, that France will will want to will want to be better than they were in in the first game. That's that's for sure. I've got no no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, but France Island is always interesting. So um, hopefully Island will go and give them a bit of a run for for their money. But yeah, I, I expect to see things a little bit more clinical, a little bit yeah, like you say, a bit more polished. So that game is the uh, opening of, of round two. France against Ireland, quarter past two on Saturday for that one. And Sarah is not going to say that loud, but she's going for a France win. Whoa. <laughs> Putting words into her mouth. As the Six Nations wrapped up, let's get to all the international news then. News coming down from New Zealand. I don't know whether it hit the England camp and what the reaction was, but Wayne Smith who is, is hotly regarded as one of the best coaches um, of the modern era, certainly, if not of all time, down in New Zealand, has been brought in as head coach of the Black Ferns ahead of the World Cup. They sorted out the S&C as well. Um, and that was one of the questions that I asked Les Alder, the Black Ferns captain, the Chiefs captain, um, not only asking her about Wayne Smith, but of course about... The inaugural Super Rugby Alpiki down in New Zealand. Here's Les Alder. It is a very, very warm welcome. Good evening over there. Good early morning here in the UK to Black Ferns captain, Chiefs captain, inaugural Super Rugby Alpiki winner. Les Alder, how are you, Les? You're well? Hi, Johnny. Yeah, good, thank you. I'm really well. Nice and warm here in New Zealand. It's a bit hot, but thanks for having me. Oh, it's a bad start because it's freezing here again. We got, we got, we got full. We had a couple of days of sun. All the daffodils came out, and now it's freezing again. Um, anyway, that's that's England for you. Uh, but but you, you're all well, enjoying life in New Zealand, and things beginning to kind of properly move out of out of COVID and what have you now. Yeah, well, we've just spent the last two weeks in a bubble, um, so that we could compete in Opiki. Um, and my first day out of the bubble, I got COVID. So. Um, I'm on the eighth day since getting COVID, so on the up now, which is really good. Oh, you, you've timed that really, really well. A really intense load of rugby and then a few days rest. That is very good planning from you. Yeah, it did. really well. But you look, you look very well. Obviously, not, not, not too badly hit by the COVID, which is good to see. Yeah, I only had like one day maybe where I was bedridden, and then after that, I've been sweet as. So a bit of fatigue, but not back into training and everything now, and yeah, feeling good. Awesome. Well, we wanted to get some some reaction, um, being a, a global podcast, and and you guys, as you say, a couple of intense weeks, um, a few games. What was it like to 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 play in that inaugural tournament as a as a chief side? Just give us the emotions around that. I mean, it was really cool, really special. Um, and like I've said throughout the whole campaign, is the Chiefs Super Club brought us into the into their uh, club with you know arms wide open, and we were made to feel welcome from the get go. So it was really cool to be a part of that Super Club, um, and to, you know the start of women's Super Rugby. So 
hugely emotional few weeks, but some of the best weeks that I've had in a very long time. Oh, awesome. And feeling, uh, obviously, there's a strong sense of feeling very much a part of that. Um, that's the, 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 the first step, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, for women's rugby players, quite often we get teams that started um, and things like that. But when you're actually made to feel like you belong there, you're made to feel valued, um, it's just a different feeling. And that's a feeling we had from the start. So it's a really exciting time for... Um, Especially our brand, you know, speaking from the Chiefs Manawa side of things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there was a um, huge amount of passion coming across on some some brilliant social media as ever from from over there, and some some great great coverage of it, uh, uh, of course. Um, beat uh, Matatu. Matatu, yeah. Matatu, yes. Uh, hurricanes, I can do, and blues, I can do as well. That's that, those aren't too much of a problem. Um, yeah. But yeah. Do, just, just take us through through those games. What were the what were the biggest challenges in in those games? Obviously, sort of a few days off the the back of playing that sort of final game against the Blues. Now, which you um, won quite convincingly. Yeah, I think um, Matatu came out. I thought they actually probably played their best rugby against us at the start, and then unfortunately things just kind of changed for them. Um, but we got to experience probably the top Matatu side, and them at their at their top which was really good. And I think if the games would have been a little bit longer, it could have been a different scenario played out. But, um, yeah, Hurricanes were probably a lot more physical game and, and we were probably uh, a, a bit different. We had a different mindset in that game, which we, we addressed. But um, come the, the final game against the Blues, um, you know, we probably displayed some of our better rugby and it seemed like it was just starting to click in, which was unfortunate because it was obviously the end of the campaign as well. Yeah, there's a um, huge, huge amount of talent there. There was some unbelievable tries, certainly that, uh, well, in, in all the games. But, um, yeah, in that, that Blues game, there was some, some unbelievable skill on, on, on show. Who impressed you from from the tournament in general and, 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 and from a Chiefs perspective as well? Who pressed us? Yeah, who impressed you? Um, individuals. Yeah, I, oh, individuals. Um, yeah. I thought Renee Holmes um, did really well when we played Matatu. Uh, both games that we played, she, she fired really well. Um, and the Hurricanes, I think that was more of us doing, making it hard for ourselves, to be honest. But I guess uh, Jonah, Jonah Nangwu, you know, stood up in that game for the Hurricanes. Um, and in the Blues game, uh, you know, we had... We seen we obviously knew what Mille Hufanga would bring and seen what she did to the Matatu side uh, the week or the previous game. So yeah. a bit of a objective to sort of shut her down pretty early. Um, but people like Aldora Itunu are always um, yeah, yeah. You know, people that keep you on your toes. So yeah, some good battles out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's in the genes, isn't it, with the Itunus. Um... Yeah. Great, great players, yeah. I remember, remember meeting a, a sister. It was a sister, isn't it? Back, um, yeah, she came over here in 2010 for the for the for the World Cup. A, a lively character, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, Bindi. Yeah. She's a legend of our game over here. So yeah, no, she's brilliant. And, and to play it all out in uh, Wakato um, must have been exceptionally special as well. To to have that chief shirt on at home uh, and lifting the trophy. Just just take us through those those moments. Yeah, 100%. I mean, for us to be, you know, Chiefs country is what we call it. So to be playing all the games of Opiki and Chiefs country um, on our home turf and to be able to lift that trophy was, you know, just, just sort of, I guess, the icing on the cake to what had been a pretty amazing few weeks. Um, just a real special group of women and an amazing ma- a management group. Um, we just, you know, even though we're in a bubble, it didn't feel like that. It was just, you know, with your mates playing some codes. So really loved it. And that 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 very much comes uh, across from from well, from from all chief side. Been lucky enough to to be over there a couple of times, and that that sense of yeah, a connection with the with the, with the local people, even with 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 the earth itself. Um, from from the the the, the chiefs areas, as, as you say, uh, and then you you go and smash the Alpiki. Uh, um, huge amount of team spirit. How much do you put that team spirit down to to your victorious campaign? I think it had a huge part to play in um, the connection that we were able to bring together in a short amount of time and with the disruptions that we had, you know, yeah. with your coming in and out with COVID and that, um, there was a big emphasis 
from the get-go around, you know, being authentic and being yourself and being comfortable with that and that that authenticity was valued in the environment. So they nailed that pretty early and the first camp itself was just connection and culture because there's no rugby at all. So I thought our management group did a really good job, but then also the group of leaders that um, really drove it as well among the playing group was awesome. But we just had great buy-in from every single player. Really made it made it easy yeah it does uh, does help doesn't it the uh, the buy well a huge huge congratulations um well done from from everyone here the uh, the, the wrp it was great to to see you lift the lift the trophy um if we can just just move on um i appreciate it's late there you need your uh, your beauty sleep um but i just wanted a, a couple more questions if i may it's um it's don't need to tell you it is a massive year for 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 women's rugby um, two World Cups, sevens, fifteens. Obviously, we'll talk about the the fifteens World Cup. Um, made some changes since you're over here in in the autumn. Um, just wanted to know, just quickly, some S and C have come in. Wayne Smith, I understand, is is getting involved now. What sort of conversations were had, and and what were the sort of key focuses to say, right? Well, actually. Um, if we stay at this kind of level, then then we're not going to be challenging our home World Cup, and and we need to to get things changed. Look, I'm not being disrespectful. I think that's probably fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's fair to say. Um, that's yeah, we ain't hiding from that fact. Um, but I guess that was it. You know, the reality is we need to be playing more code if we want to be getting better at code. And um, you know, we went through a pretty pretty hard, uh, pretty thorough review process, and some of that's going on at the moment. But um, yeah, as you can see, they've made some changes at New Zealand Rugby and brought on the likes of Wayne Smith, which is, um, you know, he's a rugby goat over here. Um, <laughs> and um, just the pedigree of rugby expertise that he's going to bring and expose us women to is just so exciting. So, yeah, looking forward to, to getting to meet him and to work alongside him. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I, I don't often use emojis. Um, I, don't, I don't often use social media, but I just did one of those faces. Um, <laughs> of the news of, of Wayne Smith as a rugby fan, um, it's bad news for everyone else in the competition. Him being involved, have you, have you worked with him before? Do you know him particularly well? I don't. I've never worked with him. Obviously, we know who he is and what he's achieved in uh, men's rugby. And as players, we often hear from um, our male, male counterparts um, around how influential he was to them individually. So. Um, comes with obviously all the recommendations but really really privileged that we get to have him yeah no absolutely um and when, when do you get next back into to camp are there are there camps planned now obviously through to through to the start of the tournament are there games planned as well uh, so we got our first camp next week here uh, next week so we're yeah. going to camp on tuesday uh for the week which will be cool to reconnect um they kind of left us so we could do what we needed to do with our opaki uh season uninterrupted and now we um, gets back into Blackburn as of next Tuesday. So um, at the moment, all I know is the pack four that's scheduled for June. Um, and then obviously we've got some internal plans around games and stuff as well. Awesome. And what difference does it make actually being backed as, uh, as athletes and not being expected to do, um, as Chelsea Alley very, very eloquently put some time ago, 1,400 different jobs um, <laughs> And, and eating in your car on, on the way to, to training and what have you, what difference has it made uh, having a professional setup? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, um, it's made a massive difference just in terms of being having the time to recover. Um, and for me, you know, being a bit older and, and, and being a mum as well, having that time to just not have to fit everything into the smallest amount of time and being able to prioritise recovery and even being able to prioritise, you know, watching rugby, um, doing video analysis and things like that, it just makes such a massive difference. And I've, I've noticed it already. So, um, yeah, so cool to be full time. Well, I know you're you're in COVID isolation. There, we'll uh, we'll let you get back to that and get your get your 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 sleep in. I just want one more question. I, you probably would have would have seen the result from uh, from the Red Roses uh, at the weekend in the opening round of the uh, the Six Nations. Um, what, what what did you make of them the, them in the autumn? So your autumn is that last year? Yeah, so when when you were when you were over in uh, in England playing uh, the Red Roses a Sorry, few months ago. Uh, 
We've had pro- yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we've had problems with time zones, let alone seasons now. We've uh, Les and I have had some issues, but we're all here now. Oh, I thought I thought the Roses and France. I thought they both played um, really well. Um, different sides to what we've obviously been. You could tell it's been a bit of time between um, games for us because we we hadn't seen them in a while. So um, different side to when we last matched them in 2019. Um, and obviously the work that they've been doing is, is paid off as well. So um, they've lifted the the bar, their man France. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an awesome challenge for us. Is an awesome challenge. Just, just one final, final, final question. Home World Cup. Let's say that the fairy godmothers come down. You're in the final already. Who would you like to meet? Oh, <laughs> not to be honest. Um, not whoever is the best of the rest. Um, that's who we'd like to meet. And then you'll have both hands on another cup and another bit of silverware to, and another bit of yeah, a medal to pop in the sock drawer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't want to play it out too early, but that is the goal. Great stuff. Led, thank you so, so much for, for joining us. I know it's late there, and we really appreciate getting some, yeah, some news from down under and just what's going on down there. But, yeah, hopefully uh, you recover well and enjoy camp. And, um, yeah, good luck at the World Cup. We don't speak to you before. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. Down in Australia, there was no Super W fixtures last weekend, but it's back this week. Fixtures for this weekend are the Fijana Drua versus the New South Wales Waratahs, Queensland Reds versus Melbourne Rebels, and the Brumbies versus the Western Force. Both the Fijana Drua and New South Wales Waratahs are undefeated so far, so it will be an excellent contest. It certainly will. Um, if you saw this into the... Uh... Independent review coming out of Rugby Canada of their high-performance programmes and its board of directors commissioned in the last autumn after concerns were raised about the effectiveness and the culture. Within these programmes, the report outlined 12 board recommendations in three different categories, strategy, structure and culture. Uh, Chief among these recommendations is the creation and clear communication of a national high-performance strategy, including hiring a high-performance director report is free to read online but it wasn't wonderfully pleasant reading and I know personally we had some, some people contact us actually and um, some of the, the experiences of some of the, the ladies over there um, haven't haven't been great but um, someone like Gareth Reese is involved there and he's a, he's a true rugby guy and a, and a great chap so yeah steering that ship around I yeah suspect will, will happen sooner rather than later. Some better news from North America um Premier Rugby Sevens in the US has announced its expansion into new cities for 2022. The Pro League, which pays its male and female athletes the same, will bring the famous Rugby Tournaments Festival to Major League Soccer Stadiums in San Jose at the PayPal Pal on the 9th of July. Washington, D.C. at the Audi Field on the 16th of July and Austin at the Q2 Stadium on the 30th of July. Yep, and staying with Sevens in North America... The Rugby America's North Sevens qualifiers have been announced. Qualifiers will begin um, on April the 23rd until the 24th in Nassau, Bahamas. Six women's teams over a two-day qualifying tournament for the Rugby World Cup Sevens 2022 in Cape Town, South Africa, in this September, along with the Commonwealth Games 2022. The top women's teams will book their spot for the Rugby Rugby Sevens World Cup. That's about it for this show. Just to remind you, before we have a, a couple of shout-outs, Six Nations fixes this weekend. Saturday, France against Ireland, quarter past two. Wales against Scotland, 4.45. If you can't get these games live, then you do pick them up um, on the BBC. And on Sunday, Italy against England, three o'clock on BBC Two. But to those shout-outs then, Sunday. Yes, so we've got two 50th caps to give a shout-out to. In the Premier 15s, Will, we've got congratulations go to Akina Godwin for her 50th appearance um, for Worcester. And in the Six Nations, we had Beatrice Rigoni won her 50th cap for Italy against France. Yeah, it's an outstanding player. Huge congratulations to, to both of those, Beatrice Rigoni. Um, a very, very cool customer. And, uh, yeah, many congratulations to her. Everybody here at the WRP uh, and in the rugby family, 
In fact, would uh, like to send the condolences and heartfelt thoughts to the family of Maddie Lawrence, her friends and her teammates at UWE after the young winger passed away suddenly last week. They have set up a Just Giving page celebrating Mandy as a way to celebrate her life. Money raised will go towards a foundation set up in her name which will support two things she held close to her heart, women's rugby and mental health. Good to see that Brave Mind has reached out immediately, uh, as well as, yeah, we, uh, as much as the, the RFU and, and what have you, are reaching out and, and trying to support in any way we can. But um, if there's anything we can do, of course, then do let us know. I know there's lots of causes out there at the moment, but um, if you do have anything spare, then gofundme.com forward slash celebrating Maddie. If you can't give anything. Another pod wrapped up for another week then. So good luck with selection. Good luck in Italy. Uh, as a rugby fan, go make it two from two. As a neutral WRP presenter, let rugby be the winner. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny.